Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm your host, Chad Brendel. Big time show coming at you this evening. It is April 6th. The Cincinnati Bearcats picked up a significant football commitment today. We will get to that here in just a second with recruiting expert Shane Kenny. He will let us know all the ins and outs of landing LaSalle four-star tight end Josh Wiley uh, earlier this afternoon and, and what his commitment means to the Cincinnati football program. Big stuff after that as well as we will be joined by Cincinnati's point guard for the past four years, the all-time assist leader in Cincinnati history, Troy Copain. Justin Berg will join me for the Troy segment and we will also... Put a uh, bow on this Cincinnati season. Talk a little bit about the uh, the UCLA game. We unfortunately haven't had a show uh, since that happened, so we will check on that, uh, touch on some of that, and then look ahead to the 2017-18 season as Cincinnati uh, should be very, very strong uh, when they return to action next November. But first, it is a huge day for Luke Fickle and his football program, as I said Four-star talent Josh Wiley out of LaSalle High School makes his decision, and that decision is red and black as he picks the Cincinnati Bearcats over the likes of Ohio State and Oregon and Georgia and Tennessee and and Kentucky and a lot of uh, Power 5 names that were very, very interested in landing his services. So we welcome in, like I said, my recruiting guru Shane Kinney and Shane Tell me, man, what does this commitment mean? What does Josh landing Josh Wiley mean for the Cincinnati Bearcats? You know, well, you know, obviously they're getting a four-star, you know, tight end prospect, a guy who wasn't only just a local target for Cincinnati, but a national target for many programs across the country. You know, he's he's a guy that um, Cincinnati has been targeting for a while, dating back to the start of the 2018 cycle. You know, since then and, you know, over the last few weeks, you know, he's blown up. He's gotten offers from Pitt, Wisconsin, Iowa, Georgia, North North Carolina State. I mean, in terms of um, Cincinnati's 2018 recruiting cycle, these are the guys they had to land to make this the class that I think not only me, but the coaching staff believes this class can be with with the area around, you know, Cincinnati and the program being so rich in depth across the board. But in terms of his game, you're getting a long, lean, tight end, a kid who's 6'6", 215 pounds. He, as of right now, with Cincinnati going to run the spread offense, you're going to get – he's not going to be your inline tight end. Could he possibly grow into that maybe after his first few years at Cincinnati? Maybe, but I don't think that's what he's going to be at Cincinnati. He's going to be a guy they split out in the slot – Similar to Jimmy Graham, what the, what they do in the NFL with him, he's going to be a guy that's going to be a jump ball. He's going to run great routes outside. He's going to create mismatches for Cincinnati in the future. But I think when you land a local guy like this, who's a four-star, who had major offers, this relates very well to guys, other targets Cincinnati is trying to get, like Malik Van, like a Hawkins, you know, all these other guys who also share big-time offers. And, you know, that's one thing that, you know, Josh told me straight off the bat. He's going after these guys hard, that this is going to be a difference-making class. And he, he wanted to commit early and lead it. So he wanted to show these guys that, yeah, you can have major offers, but you can also – it doesn't matter where you go. It matters who you play with. And he wants to play with these guys. He wants to be a guy who's going to go after these guys and wants these guys to play with them. 
Shane, you, uh, you're the one that's, that's kind of on the ground talking to these kids and, and getting a, a good feel for what they're seeing and, and feeling inside the Cincinnati program. When you talk to them, what's the feeling you get from them about Luke Fickle, about this staff, and about what Cincinnati is building right now in such a short period of time since Fickle got hired? I think I think it's a huge, huge bonus that when Luke Fickle got hired, not only did he have – connections to in-state guys but he had a reputation of building elite defenses especially on the defense of uh, on the you know the obviously defense side of the ball I think guys like Hawkins and Vander we mentioned before immediately when he got hired and since I've talked to him say that's the biggest difference they like about Cincinnati they like Luke Fickle he's a guy who's had years and years talking to these guys and recruiting these guys and it's something that they love you know they love having this you know uh, great relationship with the program like at Ohio State with Luke Fickle and then translating to a program they love even more that's local and a program they've all grown up liking in Cincinnati. So I think when you get Luke Fickle, a guy who's proven that he can go in and, and compete with bigger schools, for example, he beat out when he was at Ohio State, landed a huge five-star linebacker in Joshua McMillan out of Georgia, right in the heart of Georgia, one of the best players in the South. He's proven that he can go in and he can compete with anybody. And I think with the commitment from Weil, he's just showing that he can go do this. So I think there's a lot more to be expected with Luke Fickle and the staff at Cincinnati. Do you think this is the domino that, that needed to fall, that they needed to have one of these big-time four-star kids uh, commit to, to show everybody else? I mean, you saw on, on Twitter today, uh, Aeneas Hawkins responded to it with Weil. Uh, Malik Van had response to it. All of these guys that they're after all seem to uh, – to really open their eyes at the fact that, that the commitment happened and that it was going forward? Well, originally we thought that it, it was going to be a guy who you mentioned, like Hawkins, who was going to originally announce on May 10th but decided to postpone the decision. We thought that he would be maybe a guy that, that could come in and set the tone early for Cincinnati. But it ended up being smaller chips than a big-time you know, chip like Hawkins. It ended up starting off with Ty Van Fossen then Blake Bazevich, and now a huge guy in Josh Weil who just, I think, is just pouring the momentum out of the cup for Cincinnati. He's a guy that a lot of people know, especially around here. He's a guy that he goes up against these top prospects Cincinnati's pursuing every year. He's He practices with them. I don't want to say practices, but he goes to different trainings with them. He lists with a lot of these guys. He talks to a lot of these guys all the time. So I think when you get a guy like while it's something that you immediately it's huge for Cincinnati it's it's kind of hard to describe right now but I think especially from what me and you have heard on the recruiting trail with a few of the local targets while has been recruiting these guys for a while and he knows that a lot of these guys are close and what he mentioned to me is he knows some guys are going to Cincinnati already it's just a matter of time before they do it so he's a guy that yeah he could push you know push 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 him for them to make that commitment so we'll just have to see. I think, I think Josh is just the start of what's to come for Cincinnati in the next two weeks, not even in two weeks, but a week before the spring game. And, and that's what they're building towards is, you know, the spring game on the 14th. Uh, obviously adding Josh Wiley is a, is a monster part of that. And, you know, the, 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 there's been a lot of talk about momentum, and every coach that's come in has talked about recruiting the area None of them have been, have been able to – I mean, even you go back to Brian Kelly and Butch Jones, they didn't recruit Cincinnati the way that, that Luke Fickle is doing right out of the gate. 
And it, it really, I mean, and I, you're kind of you're new to this because you came in in February um, to the Bearcat Journal staff. You didn't see, you know, the stuff that was going on before. But it, it's almost hard to fathom the amount of momentum that has been built by Luke Bitcoin his staff, you know, three and a half months. Well, yeah, yes. Uh, that's the difference with this Luke Fickle staff is I've said many times on the Bearcat Journal uh, when people ask me, you know, are we going to take this guy or this guy? Cincinnati, or are we going to wait? Cincinnati's not going to back off. They're not scared of Ohio State. They're not scared of Kentucky. They've proven they just beat Kentucky. They just beat Ohio State for a recruit. They've said what they want to do. They want to recruit the Cincinnati area. They want to recruit the top prospects, and they don't care if they have to compete with the top programs. You know, a lot of people, including me, thought, yeah, that was just a bunch of talk. But Cincinnati just proved it with this, with Wiley. They just proved that they can do what they want to do. Luke Fickle's been a guy who's been very active in the Cincinnati area. He's been tweeting stuff that is about, you know, 300-mile radius. It's about recruiting Ohio. And more importantly, it's about, you know, recruiting Cincinnati and local prospects. You know, when you can get local prospects who've played each other, who have known each other since youth football league, these are guys that are starting to be like, wow, you know, we could play together. I think that could be something that could compete with what a school like Ohio State in Kentucky and, and, you know, these other programs can offer. Those programs can't offer playing with your best friend since you've known, since a little kid, at a program that you've grown up going to games loving. So I think it's it's very exciting time for Cincinnati. I don't think – I've obviously only been covering Cincinnati not too long. But from what you've said, from what other people have said, from what I've read, what I've heard, I don't think there's ever been this much momentum for Cincinnati in a recruiting class. And it's, and I don't even think it's tipped over yet. I think the spring game, there could be, it could be huge for Cincinnati. All right, before I let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's next? If I had to say, who's, I think that's, that's a great question. I think there's obviously the um, – uh, option of an unknown, a kid who gets an offer and just immediately commits, or a kid who comes out of nowhere for a week and builds, builds, and commits. But I think the safest bet you go with right now is Dan Bolden. Um, he's been on campus, I think it's three times this month. Me and you have both heard things are heating up between Cincinnati and him. He has his um, cousin who goes to Cincinnati. He's a 2016 signee. I think he's a kid who loves Cincinnati. His name Cincinnati is leader. I don't, I don't I don't think it gets any closer to a commitment than Bolden. I think I would have to agree, and I, I spent some time uh, conversing with him today, and uh, he, he's, he's, he's done a good job of not overplaying his hand, but I think, uh, I think you're on point. I think he's hopefully going to be in the fold here in the not-too-distant future and, and seeing some of these local guys and the way that they're all hanging out and talking and, and building a bond together over possibly going to Cincinnati is definitely a uh, – an interesting development and something I know Cincinnati fans have been waiting to see for as long as the program has been around for the, the school to be able to tap in to uh, some of the high-end kids that come out of here and, and have ended up, you know, in Power 5 programs, and now they're, they're seriously considering Cincinnati. So, um, Yeah, just another thing I want to add is I think base, getting a guy like Basevich, who's, who's a pretty big target, and, you know, getting Ty Van Foss, and these guys are coordinating who they want to recruit. You know, I think that's something that's huge. They're not saying that – they're not pretending they're recruiting these guys. They're actually coordinating, talking to each other, and, you know, coordinating who they're going to get, how they're going to do it. You know, what are they going to say? You know, when are they going to visit with these guys? So I think it's it, it's a factor that, that's unique for Cincinnati. And I think if they can take advantage of it, which they've shown they can so far, I think – 
this has a real, realistic chance of being what Houston, a class like Houston did just not to just um, a cycle ago where they were able to land some big time prospects and keep them in a rich area like Houston. Yep. All right, Shane, man, we appreciate it. It's uh, it's exciting times definitely for the Cincinnati Bearcats and uh, we'll stay tuned. I know your coverage is going to be uh, on point and uh, we'll hit you up here next week and we'll get the uh, recruiting portion of the BCJ podcast underway throughout the rest of the spring. Thanks, Chad. All right, thanks. That's Shane Kenny, our uh, recruiting analyst here at BearcatJournal.com, and a big one, obviously, today with uh, with Josh Wiley making his commitment to Cincinnati, and it's a uh, it's a huge get for the Bearcats. And I'd like to thank Shane for coming on. Berg, you there? Yes, sir. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. I'm fantastic. Welcome in, Justin Berg. We've got one more addition to this phone call to make here in just a second. I know, Berg, you're a big UC football guy. I know you're excited about the Josh Wiley commitment. Yeah, go Bearcats. (laughs) (laughs) I heard heard he was a nice steal of a recruit for Fickle and his staff and six-foot-seven tight end with, uh, you know, what is he, a four-star? He, he is a four-star and, and one of the uh, there you go. the highest-rated re- recruits in Cincinnati football history. So, um, All right. We're going to get you excited in this football program, Berg. Yeah, I mean, if I was before a few years back, and then I was very unexcited. So it wasn't like I'd just I've written them off forever. I used to love watching them just the last few years. It hasn't been very entertaining. You didn't, you didn't enjoy the country club atmosphere? <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> Hello. Troy Copain, welcome into the BCJ podcast. How are you, my friend? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Did you enjoy yourself last night filling up with ribs and chicken and baked potatoes and salads and dessert? Yes, I did for my last time and for the free. I enjoyed it. And, of course, obviously you knew your mom was coming up for the uh, for your for her son's senior banquet. It was good to see her and good to catch up with your dad when I've had the, the chance to catch up with him and I mean, does it, does it feel like it's over now? Is it set in? Uh, because I'm not uh, doing the workouts right now, but I'm doing my own workouts. So, uh, on the court wise, it feels like that. But off the court now, I still see my teammates uh, daily. So, um, it's uh, it, it was a great season. It was a 30 win season. You you exit as the all time assist leader in the history of the University of Cincinnati. You were on the team with the second most wins in school history. You and Kevin, uh, I believe, are tied for the second most wins in school history uh, for any player that has played at Cincinnati. When you heard all that stuff last night, what goes through your mind when hearing all that you were able to accomplish here? That we ended it. We ended our four years the correct way. Um, we went out with a bang from start to finish. Uh, enjoyed every moment of it. Thankful for the opportunity, you know, and then to have our names be remembered. It's something special because, you know, when you grow up, you always want to – we always had, you know, dreams of making a name for ourselves and leaving it the best way possible and, you know, having, you know, the chance to leave our name in our high schools the right way and then move on to college, a bigger stage, and then leave our names the correct way again. It's something special that we'll always have forever. Troy, before we really get going in this thing and having some fun, I've got to hit you with a tough question. Go ahead. You had, you had said that you wanted to play in the Big East. You wanted to play in Madison Square Garden, play in the Big East tournament. 
Yeah. If Cincinnati wasn't in the Big East when your time to commit would have happened, would you have been a Bearcat? Uh, yeah, they still recruited me the same way. Okay. I, that's just that. That's a question that has been out there that people have wondered because you, you know, when you committed, they were in the Big East. You had talked a lot at that time about playing in the Big East, and then everything changed on you. So there's been some curiosity as to whether the Bearcats would have still been your pick if uh, if the if the AAC thing had happened a couple months earlier, and and you weren't here. Oh well, yeah, they, they they did a wonderful job. The coaching staff that we have, and Coach Davis and Coach Conn did a wonderful job of. Of recruit me, they they pursue very hard, you know, from my family to coming up to school to showing me a good time, and then the players. Them was those were the players that I connected, you know, for the first time, and it was like I knew knew them for a long time, and I feel like that made it special as well. So the conference was a it probably wouldn't have changed anything because Cincinnati basketball is still Cincinnati basketball. Good answer, and I think there's some people that were that were just curious as to what that answer would be. So, thank you for uh, for clearing that up. And I know my man Justin Berg is on the phone as well. And Berg, you uh, you had some questions for Troy about uh, about the tournament and about the end of the season. So I'll let you have Adam for a few minutes. Yeah, well, first of all, Troy, thank you for choosing Cincinnati in the first place. I think we. Uh, we're all thrilled to have you on board for four years. We needed a good point guard, and, and you definitely were that. And uh, you represented the university well and, and with class. And just and we couldn't ask for a you know, better person to, to be wearing the, the red and black. And also thank you for that little – I don't know if you remember, you did a little uh, video for my grandma just thanking her um, a few weeks yeah. ago. That's really our, the, ex, the extent of our, um, of our interactions, unfortunately. I just didn't really run into you much um, the last two years. But – my grandma was thrilled when she saw that, of course. So thank you again for that. Of but course. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to get, get in. I think a lot of people really want to talk about the UCLA game. I mean, you guys obviously had, you know, 30 wins. You had a, you had a hell of a season. But I know you guys all season had been talking about making a deep run in March. And, and um, you know, you get the bracket. It comes up. You're going to play UCLA. So um, obviously it was a tall task, but one that you, I'm sure, believe that you guys could – accomplish so maybe if you could get into like you know what was the game plan um you know how did it play out over the course of the game what did they you know what was your plan of attack how did they counter you just if you could kind of recap like how that game went you know what you guys were attempting to do and then how it played out um first of all give it up to UCLA they were a great team this year uh they played hard as well our game plan versus them was um to score our offense, you know, whatever we do, make them have to play defense and put the ball in the basket, go inside, try to get their base in foul trouble um, early. And, you know, to always try to apply pressure, stop them in transition. And for the first half, we did a wonderful job with that. We were scoring the basketball, getting fouled. And then the second half, I was just pointing the game, I want to say after the first media timeout, maybe a little bit later, that we went on a scoring drop. Uh, we didn't get to fouled. A couple calls that didn't go for Gary down low. And we was missing shots. And when we started missing shots, they started getting out in transition. It was hard to get back on defense. And they hit three threes in a row. And then Jimmy erupted. And um, that's when it was tough, you know, to come back because uh, they had a rhythm, they had momentum, and then we, we wasn't getting stops. Right. 
Yeah, it, it, that definitely was a, a almost a backbreaking thing. But you know something, that, and I don't. You know, our man Kashmir Wright, and we were talking before the game, and what the the conversation was about. Are you you know do you want to try to slow them down a little bit and play more of a half court game and versus get into an up and down thing? I mean, was that talked about at all beforehand? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we knew that they liked to play fast and get up and down, but the half court game, uh, that was that was the main plan. If we would have scored the basketball, um, you know, we were scoring the basketball, but if we kept scoring the basketball, uh, we'd had a chance to set up our defense in the half court. And like I said, when they got on their little run, um, it was because we stopped scoring and it was long rebounds and rebounds they were outletting and getting the ball. And if you know UCLA, UCLA doesn't matter. What time a shot clock it is, they'll shoot it with 28 on the shot clock. And that's UCLA basketball. And it was tough for us, you know, to try to fight back from that. Uh, I don't think we gave up. It was just tough, you know, to, it was as a team, you know, to see that happen when you're playing so hard. Uh, it gets tough sometimes. Now, yeah. en- enough, about the, yeah. enough about the bad news. Take us back to, to the Kansas State game, and, and did that feel like maybe the most complete game you guys had played since you had been a Bearcat? Because it seemed like everything that was in the game plan, everything you wanted to do, everything you were trying to do was clicking on all cylinders against a really good team from the Big 12. Oh uh, Yeah, that was a special game for us, you know, overall, because everybody played well, everybody contributed. Um, it was to show that we can play with – you know, we can play with other teams in the Big 12. And then I remember we was going to talk about the American and Big 12 talking. Um, we didn't get in. And that was just something that a little motivation that we talked about, a little bit more motivation is that, you know, why they couldn't put us in the Big 12. You know, let's let's see if we can battle with another Big 12 team. You know, we had, we had um, you know, a little bit more confidence, you know, as a unit, as an organization going into the, into the game, you know, player-wise. So that was not only for you, but that was for the fans, for the Big 12 saying you guys, the, the, the phrase that was used was that, you know, anybody else that we would bring in would water down what was already in the Big 12. So you guys used that as motivation and said, hey, you, you think we're not good enough? Here's what good enough looks like. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it like that, but we said it similar. You don't have to. I can say it like that. You don't yeah. have to. <laughs> yeah, but we said it. It was more like, yeah, they didn't want to put us in the Big 12. Let it American versus Big 12. Us. You know, let's let's perform. Let's, it was all about performance. That's what Coach was saying. Main thing, when you get to this stage, it's all about performing. And, you know, as an individual, we work so hard throughout the year. You want to be able to perform, and we wanted to perform. You know, night in and night out because it was a one-game tournament. So overall, man, I mean, you leave here, you got to leave here as happy as you possibly can, thinking about not only what you were able to accomplish off the floor, but, you know, growing into the person that you've grown into, being a kid that, that everybody in the program, everybody around the school that's a Cincinnati fan can be proud of. How much does that mean to you, the, the, the maturity and the growth and everything that's happened for you? You know, you got here at 17 years old. What, what's all that? Does that cross your mind? The, the changes, uh, the difference that, that, that's happened with you? Yeah, it does. Because um, when I first got here, you know, I, I met the same people, but they were more of uh, mentors. And, you know, being the youngest guy coming on the campus is more like, oh, are you okay? Like, is everything going well? We don't want you to get out of, you know, 
don't get lost in the real world. Uh, uh, um, we know that you're 17, and then teammates was always checking on me being a baby. But as I got older, still being young, but, you know, having the years and the days of seeing, you know, what life was about, what Cincinnati was about, the university was about, you know, and putting it all together just shows how much I've grown up as an individual, um, making my own decisions. You know, my mom has been up here often, but I don't, I don't really like her to get into some of my business unless I need advice. Um, I like to handle things <laughs> by myself and to know that I got the resources around, you know, the university, the people around the city to help, um, the new friends that I made, um, just shows that, you know, I can be successful in the real world. I can be successful, you know, going anywhere because I started, I started from when I was a, a child and then matured up to a young man at the age of 21 now to leave the university, um, on a high note, um, to have, you know, my name respected, you know, at a people that work in Cincinnati, that work at the university, you know, high level people and, and can, can say that I was a nice kid, um, generous kid, smiling, you know, it sounds special to not only me, but to my family because, you know, that's all they really wanted. You know, they didn't want me to go out and be into the street life or, you know, turn, turn to the wrong page and to show that I, you know, made it through college, um, 21 years of my life on the right path. It's something special, you know, for myself and for my family. How much of that is a credit to the guys that, that you came in with? Not only, you know, not only you and Kev, but, I mean, the older guys, the guy, you know, Jack and SK and Jermaine and, and Shaq and Titus and all, you know, all those guys that kind of took you under their wing. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what I was – back to them taking as me being the youngest. But I respect them to the highest because when I came from um, – Cosby High School, you know, it was more me being the guy and me, you know, being the person that I am, you know, listening to everybody, hearing everybody, what they got to say, and giving them the benefit of the doubt. But when I got here as a freshman and the older guys that I had, Justin, Titus, SK, uh, Shaq, Maine, uh, JD, I had players where they they grew up uh, and then was in the era of Cincinnati where they was like, nah, we don't. We don't we don't want to hear what they say. We don't trust what they say. This is about us. This is our unit. We keep everything circling. And that's what humbled me, um, because you know it's it's not about going to talk to everybody and telling them how your day was or telling them how what you did. Um, it's more of hearing and then listening to what other people have to say, and then you and then you go about what they say to how they want the conversation to work. And I think SK and Jack and Rub they did they did the best job at that because SK. You know, I'm similar to him right now, him being the man when he was here, and he told me, you know, everybody wants to know what's going on. Everybody wants to know about you. But, you know, pick and choose about what you say. Pick and choose who you operate with and just know that your team will always love you. And that's that's one thing I, I've learned and, you know, held to my soul since freshman year now is that my guys, my teammates will always be my teammates. And then everybody else, <clears throat> it's, a, it's time to be Troy and then it's time to be Troy Sopane. You got to play those two evenly, and you know I give them up to my older guys when you know when they were here. Now let's have some fun with this stuff. Speaking of those guys, and this is something we've joked about after practice with me and you and Kev and Jacob and a couple guys. Practices were no joke back then. Not to say that your practices right. were no joke, but like back then it was like two and a half hours of it, you left there <coughs> physically sore at 17 years old when you practiced with those guys, didn't you? Right. What was you know what what was what was the environment that you learned from from them and and, and was was there a point where you're like I I don't know if this is for me because these guys 
These are grown ass men, and this is ridiculous. Nah, I never thought about that. Like this, not for me. I I knew because I wanted to play in the Big East, and I already knew what time it was. I already knew it was bully basketball, but I liked um, trash talking. I found out <laughs> when I came to my visit and was in the locker room, and I heard all of them talking, you know, about each other, flaming each other. And when we got to practice, that's what kind of practices that I like. Uh, I like type. We can talk trash and coaches with it. Um, it was the starters versus us, um, and I had me, Kev, uh, Jermaine Sanders, um, Jermaine Lawrence, and Big Dave on my team, and. And they had got hurt, so then we had we had JD and then it was versus starters, and we just battled every day. And to have the the model that we used was called not going. Like, no, nah, I'm not going versus what you're talking about. I'm not going versus the physical play that you're giving. I'm not going versus you just about to bully me. And I learned I learned that at a young age. But to see it versus grown man, I had to I had to learn at 17. Like, okay, they not going well. Shoot, I can't go neither. I gotta. I got to be able to fight back as a, as a young buck, you know, the game I respect, the game I strike. And I kind of like that. Uh, practice from freshman year to junior year and senior year now is way different. Um, but we still got the same mindset of not going. And, you know, seniors taught that to me. And then I, when I became a senior and having the leadership role, you know, we just all was not going. And that's, that's what's special about Cincinnati basketball because, on the court, we're not going, and we'll we'll talk trash. Um, we'll go in the locker room, and we might not be, you know, we might not look the look. We might all look like pretty boys in social media <laughs> nowadays for our gener- generation and stuff. But when in doubt, we'll we'll get gritty and get grimy as if we was back in freshman year for sure. So, so you're a tough guy. <laughs> yeah, hands down. <laughs> now, <laughs> I, I, one one of my favorite things, Troy, was. You're, you've always been a talker. You, you've always been a guy at practice that, that lets it be known when you're feeling it. You know, you, you're, you're not afraid to challenge somebody and get competitive. And then they, they introduce Kyle to the mix. And Kyle talks just as much, if not more, than you. Was that fun for you to have somebody else introduced that gave you, like, a, you know, a guy to go back and forth with? And you and Kyle were always – that year Kyle sat out what people didn't see, you know, when – when the lights were off and you guys were, were down in the dungeon at practice, you and Kyle constantly were at each other, no matter what. Just, you know, that, right. the, the competitive nature of you two guys. Was that fun getting another guy like that where you had somebody to go back and forth with? It was because he was a big man. Like, when it's a guard, it's fun. But, you know, as a guard, that's normal for a guard. When it's a big, you're supposed to demand toughness, demand scoring, demand – you know, physicality, and to have a big that's willing to do all of that and still talk trash, which made it fun because I felt like a big as a guard sometimes, some days. And when I go down there and catch a little contact with him, I make it make it known, or I'm playing good D and he scored, he'll make it known. Like, no, nah, you're not supposed to be down here. And that's special. That's fun. That's what makes the game of basketball, you know, special when you can do it at all positions because guards going to talk trash regardless because no guard wants to get put on a cookbook or ISO or shake or somebody where they can say, oh, nah, yeah, so-and-so, he crossed you up. Nah, because that's, that's not good for a guard to have. But as a big and to have it, you know, vice versa, because Dub thinks he's a guard sometimes. Sometimes. And that makes it, <laughs> and that <laughs> makes it fun. That makes it fun because, uh, you know, he, he's all about getting buckets and, and being a soldier and being the best player on the court. And 
you know, when you have multiple players like that, you know, everybody competes. And that's what's tough about it. So Kyle was a great, you know, person to bring to this team because he, like I said, confidence, physical, um, and scores the basketball, which is great. What would you rate him as a trash talker? Oh, 10 out of 10. He talks about everything. <laughs> it doesn't anything, matter. Anything, any, any smart <laughs> in his trash talking is, is, is very intelligent. Like, he'll talk trash in the smartest way, in the <laughs> nicest way, with the biggest word. And you'd be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Bird, you got anything? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about my man Gary Clark, Troy, um, a few things with him, and I always thought kind of ever since the first day that he got on campus, the first games he started playing, that it felt like a lot of times, you know, UC would win a game because they had Gary Clark and the other team didn't. He just does so many things that help you win. And so two questions with him. One would be, did you see a little bit of a um, transition this year to being a little like more mean and tough and more of a leader to, down the stretch? I know – at UConn in the conference tournament for sure. Um, and then, you know, what do you see him as a senior year as far as being a leader uh, for the program when you kind of pass the torch to him? Yeah, he's a quiet leader. Uh, he's not going to, you know, be uh, verbal with his. He's not going to talk trash low-key. He's going to say it on the low. He's going to say it in the huddle. Uh, he's going to say, give me the ball, dude can't check me. And then, you know, when we're joking around, that's a whole different card. Um, when we do an open gym, you'll see Gary talk like he like 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 I'm talking. But on the court, uh, he's like a silent assassin, and, and we know when it's time to, to turn up, he'll say the right things. Like, yeah, help over here. I'm gonna go block that. Or, come on, we need three stops right here now. We need we need this right here. And you know, another big man with his presence inside that's working, that's working, that's working, that's giving you ten boards a game. Offense and defense, you don't have no choice but to you know step up to his level of play. And he showed that, you know, his years here and towards the end of the season this year. Were you guys shocked yeah, that, at his personality in that UConn game in the AAC tournament? Yeah, that, that, that's what I was going to ask, no, yeah. No, that's, that's Clark. We know that that's Clark. Clark does it every day of practice. Um, and when he knows that he n nobody can guard him, he demands the basketball on the low, like I said, in the huddle um, at halftime. I need the ball. Yeah. But, get that rock. He got that tooth knocked out, and all of a sudden he transformed in like an an, into an animal. Yeah, that's, that's Clark ready to say, like, okay, you're going to knock my tooth out. I'm not going to bully you. I'm not going to throw a bow. I'm just going to destroy you. Silent assassin. He did. Now, you got any more, Berg? Yeah, just sure. Um, <clears throat> talk a little bit about, Troy, if you could, um, Jacob and Jaron, that combination – uh, Jacob this year, you know, took definitely took a step um, forward as far as this is all around game. He added some things, and and then Cumberland. I think I'm not sure if fans really knew the capabilities that he had, especially scoring, but really just every facet of the game. So, um, just your thoughts on Jacob and Jaron moving forward. Six five, six six, two fifteen, Teddy, because he's gonna be two fifteen this year. Shout out to Mike. And then Jacob at 205, 210. Uh, we've seen what they can do. You know, they're going to be boosted up on the scouting report, so it may be a little tougher, but they're always going to have the advantage because they can get to the cup. They're athletic, nice body size, 
and they can shoot. You know, it's it's no it's no easy uh it's no easy no easy um guard for them. You know, to to check them because if you put somebody small, you know they're liable to they're liable to destroy that matchup in the post. And if you put somebody big, they're liable to get to the basket. So it's definitely a mismatch problem. But like, but we've seen what they did this year. But they got a whole new year next year, and if they keep the same confidence, um, same toughness, mentality. They're gonna be great. They're gonna be successful, and they're gonna have a shot at going pro. One more thing before we let you go, and I, I don't know how many people really real. I mean, it, we, it was talked about a little bit, but I think it kind of went under the radar that that you and Justin Jennifer were like rivals growing up. Yeah, back in the day. You're what? You're like three weeks apart, birthday-wise. Yeah. But Not even. Less than that. It's like 10 days, isn't it, or something? Six. Six. He's December, he's December 5th. I'm okay. December. I'm November 29th. Okay. So you guys are like on opposite AAU teams. You're big rivals growing up. And then you get the chance to like come to – I know you were a big part in, in Justin coming here because you guys had that relationship – what was that like? Yeah. Know, kind of, kind of getting back together with a childhood friend and and mentoring him, and uh, the transformation he had from freshman to sophomore year was remarkable. Uh, back in the day, um, back in the day, it was that was more of a like a, a, a just being in Baltimore, a rival. We always used to went to the states with his team, but you, uh, the people on my year team, as we as they got older, they played high school together. They was in the same region, same uh, conference, and they. And they became cool. I wasn't gonna keep a grudge because we never like, we never like, you know, said bad words. We was eight, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, we never fought. Uh, we never dis- really disrespected each other. It was more of just fans of the mom, of the parent, not like, of the parents being uh, parents and wanting their children to win, which made it, you know, like a rivalry. Oh, we gotta beat them. But as we got older, um, and he was in high school, seeing his years. When he came on his visit, it was like, oh, this is the same little Justin that I know. And I always say little Justin because he was in high school and I was a sophomore going into my junior year. And and now it's like, that's so money. That's my boy. Uh, we got memories. We got things that we can hold on to when we're 35. And we can call each other still say happy birthday. You know, my his is right around the corner from mine. So it's nothing, it's nothing we can forget. We had great times here. And then his transition that he made from freshman and sophomore year was helpful. Um, he played hard. Brought us energy, won us, won us a couple of games, um, and his his personality is great. Uh, smooth guy, lefty, and I love his mom and dad. You trying to say thirty five is old? No, not at all. That's young. <laughs> <laughs> that but that was back when he was like a, a YouTube sensation, right? Like, yeah, he was yeah. Number, number one player in the country and had all the videos dribbling, and I mean, you had to want to take him out. Uh, I was I played the five. That had nothing to do with me. I you swear, played the five. With, yeah, when I was eight, seven, eight, nine, ten, and I played with Baltimore Stars and Baltimore Best, and we played them every year. I played the five. That's where all those big man moves came from. Yeah, that's why my post game is elite. That's why I still talk to Gary and Kyle and Jack and them. Like, nah, y'all don't want to see me down here for real. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What What's your best Coach Cronin story before we let you go? Man, there's there's a lot of hit stories with him. Give me a funny. One. Uh, uh, I'm not even gonna lie. I don't think I have a funny one to tell you the truth. Not that it's, you. It's not, funny, not, but it's not that you it's can funny, tell on the but air. it's not. Yeah, I can't tell on the air. <laughs> <laughs> All 
right. but it's definitely funny now to laugh about it because, yeah, it was one time when I was playing about my defense. You know, coach get on me about my defense when I was growing up. Uh, he ripped, he ripped me apart. It's cool to laugh about it now because we laughed about it like two days after, but I, I can't say it on the air. <laughs> He he loosened up well, this year a little bit. He had a lot of fun this year. Yeah, but he made, his job wasn't that stressful. Ever think you'll you'll, you'll play on another team where that that had the brotherhood and camaraderie this one did because it was remarkable. Uh, I I don't know because I don't know what the pro life has. I know I feel like every college team has a brotherhood, you know, from growing up to freshmen and seniors. But this one was special, and I hope you know for my career. When I get to my team, I can still, you know, put in a little impact of being a rookie, you know, to bringing in the guys and being the fun, lovable person I am and building a brotherhood, you know, to know that we all trust each other when when, when it's all said and done. Well, Troy, we appreciate it, man. The fan base of Cincinnati loves you. It was, uh, it was a great four years. It was a great experience. I loved putting that video up that I found of you after the Rutgers game your freshman year, your first, uh, first post-game press conference. And to uh, to have been around and see you grow from back when I met you in high school all the way through till uh, to graduation is, is pretty awesome, man. It's uh, it's been a fun ride, and we're definitely going to miss you. I know I'm going to miss you when I go down to workouts because yeah. you, you kept things fun. That's what I try to do. I try to be the life of the party. I try to make sure everybody's on a good note, on good vibes. If I got to do a cartwheel to make somebody smile, just to make sure that everybody's happy. And everybody's ready to get buckets. That's all that matters. We're going to have to put that on Kyle. That's going to be Kyle's responsibility now. But thanks, Troy. We appreciate it, man. And uh, we will talk to you soon. I'll, I'll catch you around town before you head off to uh, to your professional career. And uh, congratulations on the graduation that's coming up. And it's been a great ride, man. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you for everything. Yeah, thanks, Thank you, Troy. Cincinnati fan base. Thank you for the support all four years. I greatly appreciate it. All right, that's Troy Copain. Yeah, thanks, Troy, man. Starting point guard for the past three and a half seasons. And uh, really cool to have him come on the show. And, uh, and Berg, I know you have a lot of favorites from Cincinnati basketball over the years. Where does Troy rate on that list? Yeah, he's definitely up there. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely up there. So, so consistent. Um, like, like he was just saying, just, he just had a great personality out there. He, my grandma was, it was always, you know, her favorite player. So, um, we kind of shared that together and I mean, he, he represented the university as well as he could, had a hell of a career, led it in assists. And I mean, yeah, he's up there for sure. And that was, that was a big moment for you getting that video of Troy and having him say something to your grandma. And he he took that in stride. He he he, he reeled that thing, you know, ripped it right up. And uh, yeah. I know that that probably meant a lot to her. Oh, for sure. I mean, the only thing that the only sour note of it was that it was the right before the ad SMU game, and then yeah. that's when I showed it to her. And then we watched the game, and he you know had a rough one. So I was thinking that I might have jinxed him. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, he's he was great. Yeah, I wish I would have gotten to know him a little bit better, but I, you know, just I didn't really run into him a whole lot. Um, on the media scene here, but I asked him some questions after the post game. He always gave me great answers, and yeah, just a stand-up fella. And great parents. His mom and dad both have been fantastic to me. Um, like I said, I've known them for for a long time since back out on the recruiting trail, 
and um, they they were both great. It was a great family to have around the program. And you know, when you talk about Mick Cronin's program, that's exactly what he wants. He wants Troy Copain. He wants Troy Copain's mom and dad, two parents that that give a damn about their son, and you know, raised him right. And you can tell in everything that he does, the kid was raised the right way, and he is uh, he is most certainly. When you look back at the, the past four years of Cincinnati basketball, he's been the, the straw that stirs the drink. Yeah, he will be missed. I, I think um, I know that there are, you know, that there's going to be a new regime next year in the point guard slot, and, and we'll get to that, I'm sure. But, um, you know, just his presence will definitely be missed. I mean, we've done a lot. I don't know how much we really need to, to reflect back on this season. Um, we've hit on about everything that you could possibly hit on, but to put a bow on it, you know, obviously bittersweet not making it to the Sweet 16 with a group that, you know, everybody thought had a great chance to do it. Unfortunately, they run into a really good UCLA team. But at the end of the day, 30 wins, second most in program history, uh, an absolutely phenomenal group of kids to be around. If you're a fan of the university, a group of kids that you could – 100 percent be proud of that represented your university and um, a lot of fond memories to look back on the 2016-17 season and a lot of the things that they accomplished it, it was it was a fun ride yeah no and and personally for me this was a, a great season just to get a little bit further along and some of the media stuff and and working on the writing and spend a little bit more time on scattering reports and and just getting to know some of these kids, it's been, it's been great. Um, and, but really overall, I mean, the season you get to 30 wins. I mean, there's very successful um, and had some really exciting wins. The at Iowa state game, the Xavier game at home, um, you know, beating UConn hard all three times was nice. Um, no matter what kind of shape they were in. But um, I mean, do you want to talk about the, you know, we haven't done a podcast since the season ended. Do you want to do a little bit about the UCLA game? Just because I think there's still, you know, maybe some fans who want to get into that a little bit, just a little bit more analysis. I mean, not really. <laughs> we can. Okay. I don't really want to. Hey, I mean, you know, it, it was always going to be a matter of, and, and we'll compare the UC game to the, the UCLA-Kentucky game. UCLA is going to hit a spurt. And when they hit that spurt, you might, have, might not have to score point for point with them, but you can't let them hit a 18-6 to six spurt because then they're up double digits, and it's really hard to close that gap. You know, it's really hard. I mean, you have to make everything to get that back to where you've got a chance to win the game. And, you know, that's something that Cincinnati wasn't able to do. They went cold for three minutes. UCLA went scorching hot for, for those three minutes. They scored 18 points in a three-minute stretch. And a you know a, a slim Cincinnati lead went to a double digit deficit in the blink of an eye, and you could just feel it as it was happening. You could feel it slipping away, and it was you know it was unfortunate. It stunk. I, I didn't like it. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And there, I think there's a few things. To, if you look at the game that that kind of had some things in common with some other losses this season, one would be not being able to turn the opponent over. Um, and then not being able to get a, a large percentage of offensive rebounds. UC got nine offensive rebounds um, for the game and only four, three turnovers. UCLA was immaculate taking care of the ball. And that, that, that's just, I mean, that UCLA only, tur- or UC only turned it over 10 times, which you would think 
it isn't going to kill you, but when you only get three, you don't get a chance to run out a little bit. Um, I thought those were two major things. The other thing really was um, in the second half, UCLA got six dunks and four layups. And and, um, and that that was – a lot of those were in like two-on-one situations off of a missed shot like Troy had, had alluded to. Um, but I wonder if also the, the fact that UC just was not able to get those offensive rebounds as well – um, that that might have that led to some runouts, and so it was just kind of a uh, it, it was tough because it was like you know UC had to go to the offensive glass because that's how they get a lot of their points. Um, that's just that's just one of their formulas, and 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 it just didn't happen in that game. And and when you go for the offensive rebound and you don't get it, UCLA can flip the floor on you so quick that um, it's tough. It's a tough call. Like, do you just call off the dogs and say we're only going to send one or two to the glass and just sell out to get back on D to stop that, or do you have to, or do you keep going to the glass to try to get those second chance points that you need to stay in the game? It's, it's just the kind of a, a no man's land almost. Yeah, and you know some of it was the, you know they the, there were long rebounds, and if UCLA gets a long rebound, it's at the other rim in a blink. I mean, it's they turn the floor like you said, they turn the floor so quick, and especially if they get you know, where it's a long rebound, they're facing the other way when they get the ball. It's not a matter of you go up to get a contested rebound in traffic, you're back it's to the to your rim. So you gotta turn around, locate, figure out where the you know, where the guy you're passing to is. Instead they were getting it with an eye already down the floor and and, you know, either either um Lonzo Ball or or one of the other guards, you know, with a full head of steam going towards the other rim and there's just not a whole lot you can do to stop him. In that situation, they're just so talented. Yeah. They were so talented and, and so, you know, fluid with the ability to score. But, I mean, it was it was a right. it was it was a it, tough it, way it, to end the season. Yeah, I mean, I think really, you know, UC played well in that game. I think, um, but they had to play exceptional to win that. Especially if UCLA is only going to turn it over three times. So it was like I felt like they played about a B plus UC. And you needed an A plus to to win a game like that, especially out there in, in California and all that. But but in, you know within the game you saw okay well Cumberland certainly belonged on the floor with all those elite players that UCLA had. I mean there was no doubt about that. He scores 15 points in 20 minutes, six for nine from two, made a three, um, made a nice pass to no nonsense Nasir for a two hander. Um, just had a you know, he, he really. He really played up to that. Like he, he's he just felt like yes, this guy is is legit. Um, not that we didn't already know that, but in a game like that, as a freshman to play like that, um, you got to feel good about him, you know, moving forward in next year and, and beyond. Well, yeah, and when you look to next year, I mean, you're talking when when have we come into a year where there's two high level wings returning, two high level big men returning. Yeah, you've got the, the question of point guard, but, I mean, I, I've seen enough of Kane Broom, and I think, you know, in the, in the parts that you've seen, from what you've seen of Kane Broom, he, he's going to be a different player than Troy, but I think he's going to be able to adequately step in there and run this team and give you some production on offense. Uh, hopefully, you know, his defense is, is where Mick wants it to be, and you, you combine him with Justin Jennifer, and you've got two guys that should be able to run. They're driving a real expensive car. I know that much for sure. Yeah. That, it's interesting to see, uh, you know, how is that going to affect Jennifer? Is that going to help him that, that there's going to be a little more pace? It seems like that uh, he can be more effective in the open floor at times. But, um, yeah, I mean, and, and, and really when you look at how fast Kane is and how fast 
Jennifer is. Um, then the rest of the, like, like Mick said, I think after the banquet the other night, or maybe it was last night, um, that he said, you know, Gary and Kyle better get in better shape because they need to run up and down the floor. Um, and, but now that gives you Evans, Cumberland, and whichever point guard's out there that can just grab the rebound and go. And so, you know, you should have more opportunities to, to not face a set defense next year. And I would, I would expect the offensive efficiency, which finished at 34 in Ken Palm this year, to go even higher next year. Yeah, it'll be interesting because the, one of the reasons it's so high is because, because they didn't turn the ball over. And you would have to think with, you know, with a faster pace, you're going to see it's not going to be Troy Copain where you get, you know, one turnover a game from your point guard and he plays 36 minutes. Like, you're going to see a little bit more, um, I don't want to say sloppiness, but just with that, you know, with guys flying up and down the floor, there's a few more opportunities for turnovers. And it's, it's yeah. going to be interesting and how Mick coaches that. Exactly. I was just, that's where I was about to go because I know he, uh, you know that that's one of his number one things that he focuses on is taking care of the ball. But um, with guys that are going to be more aggressive, I mean, is he going to tolerate a few more turnovers or is that, I mean, how is that? That's going to be an interesting dynamic. Uh, definitely a storyline next year. And you wonder when you've got a guy like Kane, who's as fast as he is, like what's the push and pull from Mick and him as far as like, you know, you want him to be aggressive, but obviously not reckless. So that, that should be um, a fun one to see how that develops and then see where, where um, Je- Jennifer fits in there as well um, from that. But, um, but you got to like, you got to like a guy like, I mean, the, basically the freshman this year, you got to like them all. I mean, Cumberland Brooks, um, even Trey uh, for sure. I mean, those are, that's a, that's a nice class of guys coming back that uh, uh, all give you different things and, and versatility. So it's, I thought that was a good class. And obviously this year we've got some question marks, but I mean, we definitely like the kid, you know, the, the two guards and then, um, and then Ellie. So it's, it's interesting, kind of like a new regime. Now we, we just, you know, Troy and Kevin regime, they got the four tournaments and closed the book on that, thanked them for everything. And now we're onto a kind of a, you know, a new page. So kind of like a, a interesting uh, transition coming next year. I'm interested because you're, I never know when I ask you this, what's your excitement level for this team going, coming into next year? Obviously it's a long way away. We still got a lot to, you know, a lot of months to go until we get there, but sitting here on April 6th, what is your, um, your energy level when you think about next year's team? Uh, it's as high as whatever scale you're going with. It's the very top. Uh, I, it's going to be really hard to wait all these months to get to October and when practice starts. So, I mean, I guess we're about six months away. Six months away. It's going to be tough. And, you know, honestly, last year um, I, I was excited as well because I thought that that uh, when the season ended, it just was such one of those seasons, just get this season over with already and let's let's start over. And I liked what we had coming back. And But you know what? I didn't know last year about you know what Kyle was going to be able to do or Jaron. I didn't really I didn't I hadn't really seen them a lot and I know you did. Um, did those guys outperform what you thought this year and or, or did, were they about what you expected? Um Kyle was pretty much what I expected. Jaron there were some ups and downs, but man when he was good, he was really good. And and yeah. I think you know, when you compare him, the easy comparison to make is compare him to Jacob. 
I think he had a better freshman year than Jacob had, and I thought Jacob had an excellent freshman year. So um, I don't know if I want to say I, I – That's a tough one, though. I, yeah, I don't know if I want to say I was surprised. I think he probably exceeded my expectations a little bit. Okay. I think well, – well, well, I will say I – mean, so, so, I'll, I'll just ahead. say I think he was a lot better on defense than I thought he was going to be. Um, I don't know if you – you know – Everybody saw the banquet awards last night, but he was um, he was right there with Gary for the deflection lead on the season. Right, and I you know I definitely yeah, thought he, he was a better contributor on defense than I thought he was going to be initially. Yeah, I, I, I and I was I was just impressed with his all around game, and and really the same thing with Jacob his freshman year. They just they weren't just scorers, they weren't just playmakers, but they were both scorers and playmakers. They both played D. Um, offensive rebounds, steals, blocks. I mean, incredible passing um, from Jaron in, in different spots this year. But um, the thing that's the thing that's interesting, and what gets me so excited about next year is that you say, okay, well, you know, Jaron and Jacob. I mean, you got to be pumped about that. And then you know, you got the element of the speed factor with Kane Broom. But it's like we haven't even talked about Gary Clark or, or Kyle. White. Like you know, it's like there's so many options, and so you figure you're going to have a fivesome out there that are all threats, not only, well, okay, four out of the five, and I, Kyle still, he, he can make a few plays on the high-low, but he's not really a, much of a creator for others, but four out of those five can score and create, and five out of the five can create their own shot and score um, at any point, um, you know, if they have the matchup in their favor, and even if not. So, that's why I'm thinking, like, wow. I mean, offensively, this should be at, to a whole another level than even the 2016-17 team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, Kevin was phenomenal in his four years. I think he really did a great job in his role in the program. But he was never really that guy that was going to, on any given night, give you a 20-point performance. And I think you're realistically – when you consider, you know, what Kane was able to do at his previous stop at Sacred Heart, you know, having games where he scored 35, 37, 38, 39 points, um, I'm sure he's hoping Fairleigh Dickinson is on the roster again, or on the, the schedule again next year. Because yeah. Kane Broom owned Fairleigh Dickinson. <laughs> but... Well, so did you see this year. <laughs> um you know, it's it's a it's a situation where any of those five guys on any given night can put up twenty five, not not fifteen, not twenty, twenty five plus, and that allows you to go into every yeah. game saying, "All right, where do, where is their weak link defensively? Where what what can we exploit?" And then having a guy that's got the ability to do it every time out, and that's I mean, that's a hell of a luxury. Yeah, well, it's like what happened in the Kansas – it's what happened it, – it, that's what we saw in the Kansas State game when in the second half when that lineup – well, minus Kane and insert Troy, um, when Awundu was in foul trouble and, and they had the couple – you know, the, the other weak link defender, whatever the case was, it was just, all right, who's got, who's got the matchup? Let's exploit it. And you would imagine that next year, you know, I mean, that, that you can – every game is going to be – unless you run into a team that's just five stud defenders, um, you know, and, and so what I liked about this year was that they became more versatile. Um, they were able to actually do things against a zone, which we have always complained about the East West passing and the afraid to attack and stuff. 
Um, but I thought Jaron was just a catalyst overall with like his attack mentality, and it kind of rubbed off on some other guys. It felt like, yeah. Um, and so, but you, you just, you know, Jacob's got to take the next step and, and be more in attack mode. Uh, I think Gary, as this season wore on, he realized that, you know, he can dominate. And I liked what Troy was saying, that he was saying, give me the ball and things like that. And um, and then Kyle Kyle has the ability to put up big nights. He just has to, to work on some other facets of his game and, and continue to progress. But, um, you know, he's definitely a, a weapon that the other team has to deal with. So it's just, as we've talked about the last few years, it's predictability and, and things like that and, and, and versatility. And, and you're, you're, the Bearcats are swaying very, very far over to the versatility side. And, and the predictability side is like pretty much in the, the rearview mirror as far as offensively. Yeah, I mean, it's... So, yes, I'm excited, buddy. I, I'm really excited. I, I am very excited as well. I'm looking forward. I haven't, because of spring football, I haven't had the chance. They've had a couple workouts. I haven't had the chance to get down there yet, but... um. Hopefully I will uh, – actually, I, I think because of the way the school schedule is set up, they really only can do workouts. I think next week is the last week, and then they get into the week before finals and finals, and then um, it, obviously they'll have open gyms and things like that that I'll uh, be able to take in and, and give everybody uh, the scouting report on what's happening. And then obviously when uh, when summer hits and the new guys come and, and workouts start back, I think at the end of May, beginning of June, somewhere in there, so um, it's going to be a fun build towards what is going to be a great season, uh, a season that's going to be a little different because it's played at NKU. But um, I think NKU is going to be a great host. I think that's going to be a, a fun place to watch a game. Um, it, it gets very loud in there. Uh, even at NKU games when they've got 5,000 people in there, when the game's close and coming down to the wire, that place gets loud. So I think it's going to be a good home environment. Um, I think it's going to be a really fun team to watch. I think it's going to be fun to see uh, Wichita State come in as hopefully a top five, top ten team. Um, that goes down tomorrow. I, I fully expect that it will be announced tomorrow that Wichita State will join for the 2017-18 season. And that's a big lift for the conference, Berg, to get a team, nice. to, to get a program like that yeah. and, and to add two big-time games to your schedule without really having to go through the hassle of scheduling. Yeah, and, and obviously I'm sure people are wondering, you know, what's the late on the schedule. We don't know. There's no – there's nothing out there other than Xavier. And then isn't there a little tournament that I read? It was Iowa, Wyoming, and UAB, yeah. some little deal. Well, some little deal in the um, Cayman so Islands. That, I, is that – well, I mean, but – okay, well, those are the teams. <laughs> yeah. So they're not going to – they're not going to move any not, – no meter-moving teams there. So playing in the new venue – and, uh, you know, looking to see who is going to come into that building. Uh, when when does that usually, just so people can have something in their mind, like when do we start finding out about matchups and stuff like that? I'm hoping to have some information. Like scheduling. I'm hoping to have some information next week on a couple teams. They're working on it. I had a, a conversation okay. about it last night at the, um, at the banquet. It's something that's definitely, you know, uh, a top priority. It's something that they're working on every day. I am, you know, I, I, I'm hearing that there's a couple games that are pretty close uh, to coming to fruition. Um, so hopefully I will have something on that uh, early next week. And then from there, it's just a matter of finding opponents that are willing to play a team that went 30-6 and six and returns four stars and brings in a stud transfer point guard. 
There's uh, there's not a lot of power programs that are looking at yeah. Cincinnati yeah. next year and going, you know what, got to get them on the schedule. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's a it's a tough position to be in, and I don't know. I mean, and you said money. It's like money wise, there's no reason to, you wouldn't just go play a team on the road like a North Carolina or something. Say, hey, we'll come there, and then you don't have to come back. No, like it's not going to financially not going to make any sense. Well, here's so yeah. I mean, it's just a tough tough spot. Here's what people don't don't comprehend on that side of the ledger. So if you're giving up home games that you're not getting return games for, you're giving up home dates, you're giving up, you know, the ability to make money at home. And, yeah, you might say that, you know, only 8,000 showed up for this game. But all of the season tickets were sold. All of those that, you know, the boxes and the luxury suites and all that money is accounted for. So you have to make more than that on your buy. And that's that's not going to happen. You're not going to, you know, if they if they make – 250,000 off of a home game when you count concessions and tickets and the whole nine yards, they're not going to be able to call North Carolina and say, we'll come play you, but you got to pay us $250,000. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So you're, no. you're in a tough spot there because you know why Texas Southern can do that, can go play 13 straight games, 13 straight buy games, because they can't get 1,000 people at their games. So they're not giving anything up by – giving up the home game they're gaining you know they would have made right. they would have made ten thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars playing a game at home they go on the road they make a hundred and fifteen thousand dollars and that pays off their athletic department where at cincinnati it's the flip of that you're giving up a hundred two hundred three hundred thousand dollars to go play a buy game on the road yes maybe it helps your strength of schedule but it it weakens your basketball program long term and it, it's just not a yeah. it's not a smart way to do business. And I get the frustration, I get the the fan mentality of anytime, any place, anywhere. And if you were in a conference making a forty million dollar check every year on a TV deal, sure, you can do what Tom Izzo does every once in a while. And you look at Michigan State's schedule and you go, what the hell are they thinking? But at Cincinnati, you've got to find a balance in there, and and that's that's why it's tough. I mean, you. You, yeah. You've got to have, you know, seven, eight of those home games in the non-conference to, to meet your budget, to be able to do what you want to do and maintain a high level as a basketball program. If you start giving those up, you start losing substantial money. And while it may help, you know, with the seed line in the ranking short term this year, maybe you, 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 you don't get so-and-so recruit because – you didn't have, you know, the budget to put in the extra work to get the recruit. I mean, it's just it's a it's a fine line and I and I get the frustration on both sides, but I don't think people look at it from that aspect of giving up home games is giving up a lot of money that you're not getting back for being the team that's bought. Right, and obviously Cincinnati is not really in the position to just be able to give up money. Right. So that's just that's just kind of where they are right now it's and uh, they have to be creative and be creative and do some selling and try to make it work. But um, let me ask you one thing here. So you're so Kevin and Troy graduated. Obviously, Kane steps into one of those roster spots as far as being eligible. Um, so let's let's look at the two wing guys coming in, Keith Williams and Trevor Moore. As far as if you had a crystal ball, you know, next year, where do you think they fit in minutes? I know it's a really tough question for you, but you've seen them a lot. And you know what the what there is coming back. So just what's in your mind right now about what to expect from those two wings coming in next year? 
Um, I, I, I very much believe Keith is going to be able to, to step in and fit into that role that Jacob Evans had as a freshman and then Jaron stepped into last year. I think Keith is going to be able to step into that role very much, um, you know, and be a, a guy that can get you consistently seven, eight, nine, ten points a night as a, as a backup at the two and the three. Trevor, I think a lot of it's going to depend on how well he adjusts to being able to shoot at this level. Um, if he's hitting 37, 38, 39, 40 percent from three, there's absolutely going to be minutes for him out there as a weapon. Um, if he struggles to get going early and, you know, and adjust into the college game and the way guys close out and, you know, smaller, you know, windows to get the ball, get a shot off, um, it, it might not be the type of minutes that he would like to see, uh, at least right off the bat. But um, I think that's, you know, a lot of that's going to be on Trevor. How well does he defend? How well does he knock down shots? So it'll be interesting so, once they get here to see exactly where they fit in. So just real quick to go back to Keith for a second. Um, you know, you mentioned that he's a guy that can get you seven, eight, nine, ten points. How does he get those points? Um. A lot of it by attacking. He's a kid that plays above the rim. Uh, he's got a, a pretty good handle for a, for a big wing guard. Um, he, his jump shot isn't um, – and Trevor Moore has a picture-perfect jump shot in terms of mechanics. Keese is a little bit different. It's not as, um, as, as, as pretty, I guess you would say, but it's still effective, and he's a kid that's hit at a pretty high clip. You know, he shot 40% on the Under Armour circuit last year, shot pretty well from three in high school this year. So, um, you know, it, more of a slasher, but also a guy that can, that can pull up and hit a 15-footer on you or, or bang down an open three. So he's got some, some three-level scoring dimension to his game, but a little bit more of a guy that plays on the attack, um, which is always interesting because, you know, we saw with Jacob and even Jaron the first half of his freshman year, he was a little hesitant to attack. He kind of relied on the three-point shot a little too much. And then as they get comfortable, they start playing downhill a little bit more. It'll be interesting to see how long uh, Keith takes to make that adjustment. But we have gone way long, my friend. <laughs> we, okay, we, no worries. No, we, we had a little football segment there for about 15 minutes at the beginning that, that, that you weren't a part of. So um, we've gone long on this. We are going to have plenty of time to get back together and discuss, and, and definitely something we will do once those guys get here in the summer and I start to get a chance to see how they look and, and how they're adjusting to the size and the speed of the game. So um, we got we had a lot more time to talk about those guys and get excited as we head towards the 2017-18 season. So, uh, Berg, it's been a fun one, man. Year two for you. Uh, everything you could ask for, everything you could expect is your uh, year two in the media. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I appreciate the opportunity. It's been a blast, and I'm looking forward to continuing on. Year three right around the corner. Right around the corner, Berg. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up. Thanks. I'm ready. Let's get it started. Uh, thanks to Shane Kenny for coming on and yeah. talking about the commitment of Josh Wiley. Thanks, as of always, of course, to my man, Justin Berg. Special thanks to Troy Copain, number 10. That number will uh, live on for a long time in Cincinnati Bearcat history. A lot of people's favorite uh, of this past couple, three, four, you know, three-year segment. Um, a, a kid that was a, a, a joy to watch, and as you can tell from the interview, kid that's got his head on straight, he's got his life together. Uh, he's going to be very successful going forward, and uh, hopefully down the road we can have him on uh, a couple more times and, and catch up and see how life's going and see how uh, his career's treating him and, and what the future holds for Troy as he, uh, he's, he's an old 21 at this point. 
He was a young 17 when he got here, and he leaves here as an old 21. But that's going to wrap it up. Berg, yeah. I'll get with you soon, buddy. Yes, sir. All right. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Berg. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. All right. Sorry, man. I got to go on with Lance McAllister. So <laughs> I, had to get that, I had to get that wrapped up. But um, good stuff. Right, big time. Go ahead. Hey, I mean, it's been a, hell, it's been a hectic day. It has been a hectic, hectic. I haven't even written a practice report from football practice this morning because I've had so much stuff going on. Damn. But right. I'm going to call Lance, and then I'll get this posted here uh, in the next probably 15, 20 minutes or so. Cool. All right. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. All right, brother. I'll talk to you. Stay up. Yep. Okay.